five or six weeks before uh, we head off on our new adventure, Crane and I. Uh, and as I was thinking through that and thinking through what sort of things should we be speaking about between now and then, what are the things that uh, we'd like to pass on to you? Uh, and as that was uh, going through my, my mind, uh, it was also that Beach Mission were doing their talks and thinking about what they were going to do for their uh, time here. And they uh, decided they were going to look at 2 Timothy, a book in the Bible written by Paul to Timothy. And as I was looking at that and I was doing one of those, I did the talk yesterday, I was thinking, this is probably a great book of the Bible for us to look at at this time. Uh, because uh, Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, is Paul's last words to his good mate Timothy. So I thought maybe that would be good to be Paul's last words to the people he loves at Evans. And so I thought it would be a great way for us uh, to work through that together as we think about what life looks like uh, as what we move into our new ministry, as you move into a new stage, uh, because Timothy wanted, uh, Paul wanted Timothy to know that because Paul wasn't going to be around much longer either, and so he wanted Timothy to know that, and so the, his, uh, his, these are his words, so they've got to be better than my words. So I thought it would be great for us to hear from him over this next few weeks. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're looking at 2 Timothy, uh, and we're going to be lo- doing that together. Last words. Uh, here's some famous last words for you. Uh, this is Todd Beamer. He was on the plane that crashed in, uh, uh, in 2001, wasn't it? When uh, the, the, the two towers went down. He was the one that didn't hit with the towers. And this is what he said. It was recorded. Are you guys ready? Let's roll. And then they took on uh, those that were taking over the plane. Not bad last words, were they? Uh, it's Bob Marley, money can't buy life. That was his last words. What about Kurt Cobain? It's better to burn out than to fade away. Well, he definitely burned out, didn't he? In a blaze. Last words. Have you ever thought what your last words might be to someone? What are the things that you'd like to leave people with uh, when you leave or when you go, or when you die. Oh, to Timothy, as I said, is Paul's last words to his good mate, Timothy. Paul's in jail, uh, he's struggling, he's old, and he wants to write to his good mate, Timothy, and he wants to encourage him, he wants to build him up, he wants to push him forward, he wants to give him a shot in the arm to keep going, to keep doing what he's doing. Because Timothy, we, as we know, as far as we know, was probably an introvert. He was a timid guy. He wasn't the guy that was out there up front doing all that sort of stuff. He was a timid guy behind the scenes, but he was someone that Paul invested into heavily. And so what we hear in 2 Timothy are Paul's last words to Tim, his good mate. And so we're going to hear them today. And when we hear them, uh, as we read through them, even in these first seven verses, I want you to listen for Paul's heart, for his passion. And then as you get a gist of that here, as we go through this next few weeks together, I want you to listen to Paul's heart. Sometimes I think when we read the Bible, we forget that these are actually real people writing to other real people. 
Sometimes we just pick it up and we think, we'll just read that like a book, a text almost, even a textbook. It's like something that's just out there was actually these and most of the Bible and particularly the New Testament are mostly personal letters to other people or to other churches. And so there's real sense of community, real sense of relationship, real sense of intimacy that are in these letters. And so as you read through 2 Timothy, if you go home, read through it further, slow yourself down. Don't just skip through it and think, yep, we've got that section done. I've got that bit done. Slow down in it and listen and feel and experience Paul's heart because that's his passion and that's what he wants to pass on to Timothy and to us. So we're going to read together uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, the first seven verses this morning. And I'm just going to touch in on four things for us that I want to encourage you with today. So if you've got a Bible, if you open it up and have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 to 7, uh, it will be on the screen as well so you can follow along with me. Uh, or if you've got a Bible, open it up. Or if you've got an app on your phone, open it up. Or if you've got an iPad, open it up. Uh, have a look and follow with me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. It says, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. My dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may have be filled with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your, your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, spend time now looking at your word, Lord, pray that you open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up us to the work of your spirit within us as he applies your word his word into our lives we pray this in jesus name amen uh, well what i want to go through with you this morning is uh three f's and one s there are f words in the bible but they're good ones uh, and there's three f's in the bible today that i want to go through and one s uh, so I want to work through them with you as uh, I want to encourage you in them as Paul encourages Timothy in them. And the first one is I want to encourage you about faith. Uh, see what uh, Timothy said, uh, Paul said to Timothy? He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Uh, Timothy, when he remembers, sorry, Paul, when he remembers Timothy, he remembers his faith. But it's not just faith in general, but it's his sincere faith. 
you see, Timothy has a faith that is real, that is seen. Timothy is not two-faced in his faith. It's not like he lives one way when he's out around people and another way when he was with Paul, but it overtakes Timothy that he does, every part of him. You see, Timothy was a person who knew Jesus, who trusted in Jesus, who believed that Jesus died and rose again and that that gives him life now and for eternity, that he is now a child of God, that he is part of God's family, that it's all through Jesus. And he trusts and believes in that and that's what faith is based on. But also, Paul says, doesn't he, that he has sincere faith. That is the faith that is real, that is seen in how he lives. So when people look at Timothy, they not only know that he believes in Jesus, but they see that he believes in Jesus. You see, Timothy is not a fair-weather Christian, you know, that when everything's going good and great, then he's a Christian, you know, he's living for it, it's all good. But it's in every part of his life. What Timothy believes directs his life. And he's not one of those two-faced Christians, you know, the one that when you see him at church is all praise God, hallelujah, all wonderful, everything's good. And then when he's out in the community and down the street, he's in the middle of the gossip. He's out getting drunk. He's out sleeping around. He's out doing all this. That's not who Timothy is. Timothy has sincere faith. People see his faith. That's a great challenge for us, isn't it? Are we two-faced Christians? Are we people who speak about Jesus when we're in the right context but then do other things when we're not? It's a challenge and I reckon all of us hit that sometimes, don't we? There are moments when our faith and our life don't demonstrate that it's sincere. But it's great that God removes that, doesn't he? And he transforms us. And we're going to hear about how he helps us with that later. He gives us that clean slate every day. But what Paul wants to encourage Timothy with is that he has that sincere faith. What I want to encourage you is to have that sincere faith that when people look at you and they see you in every context, they see that what you believe directs how you live. That you have a sincere faith, and I know many of you do. And it's exciting when we see that. And I want to encourage you to continue in that. Because you see, these days, authenticity and integrity are what speak about Jesus more than if you just say facts and figures and information. Don't get me wrong, good to have that there, but people want to see that it's real, that it's sincere, that this is life-changing because it's life-changing for you. It was life-changing for Timothy. It was life-changing for Paul. He wants it to be life-changing for you. So faith can fuel us, can't it? Faith can fuel us in life, can help us to live out the life that God wants us to live. But also, there's friendship. 
Uh, look at what Paul says about Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. When was the last time you told someone that you longed to see them because they fill you with joy? Aussie bikes don't do that, do you? Mate, I don't want to see you forever. You're dead to me. No, I don't want to know you. We stir people up, don't we? We do the whole thing of the opposite of that. We talk about, yeah, I don't want to see you. Don't need to get those sorts of things. Well, that can be fun for a moment and for a point. And don't get me wrong, I don't mind stirring people up. But how often do we do this? Which is really about building up, isn't it? How often do we express how we feel about the friends that God has given us around us. You see, Paul loves Timothy and he's not afraid to say it, is he? He's not afraid to express it. Because you see, Timothy and Paul have done life together. They've spent time together, they've travelled together, they've been on mission together, they've been speaking to people about Jesus together, they've eaten together, they've lived together, they've travelled together, they've done life together, they've spent time with one another. They've invested into each other and specifically invested into each other to know Jesus and love Jesus more. Have you got someone that you do that with? Is there someone that you're doing life with that you're investing into them to encourage them to grow, to love Jesus more? If you don't, can I encourage you to do it? You may even have some people now that that's sort of what you do, that there's people that you're really good friends with and you do invest time in, but how many of you are investing time into them to love Jesus more? And that doesn't mean you have to speak about Jesus all the time because discipleship is life on life. You show how you live for Jesus in the way that you do that and you encourage each other when you see that in the other person. When you see someone living for Jesus, tell them. Let them know. Tell them, you, mate, you warm my heart when I see the way that you love that person. That's, that, you're demonstrating Jesus there. Pray with them. Go and play golf with them. And talk about what's happening in your life and how Jesus is making a difference in that and pray for them. You can pray on the golf course, not just that you get a hole in one. Pray for the person. Go for a walk with someone. Pray with them afterwards. Speak to them. How are you travelling with Jesus at the moment? Ask them how they're travelling with Jesus. Listen to how they're travelling with Jesus. Maybe you do sit down with the Bible and, and go over the Bible together. What a great thing to do as well. Can I encourage you, if you haven't got someone that you do that with, do it. And if you haven't got someone that you don't do that with at the moment, I hope if you're sitting there saying, well, no one's doing that with me, no one's making that effort with me, well, I'm telling you, stop doing that and just go out and do it with someone. Get off your butt and do it. Don't sit there in self-pity and say, oh, no one's working with me, no one's helping me to be more like Jesus. 
Well, what about you going to help someone else to be more like Jesus and then you will be more like Jesus? You see, Christian friendship is what fuels your life. Sincere faith fuels us to live for Jesus. Sincere friendship, Christian friendship can fuel us to live for Jesus. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy, isn't he? I long to see you so that my joy may be complete. And family can do that as well. Look at verse 5. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? The grandmother has impact on the mum, who's impacted the son, Timothy. Now, I'm pretty sure that Lois didn't know Jesus back then. But her faith in God has impacted Eunice, I've got to get the right order, which has now impacted Timothy, that has culminated in them all knowing Jesus. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Now, I don't come from a family, a line of that, though my grandmother and my grandfather uh, were believers, and they are wonderful people, and I think they have impacted me on how I understand faith and how to live that out. But my parents weren't. And so when it came to our family, Karina and my family, we really had to think about how do we do this for our family? Because that's the other side of this picture, isn't it? If you've got a family that's done, done that for you, praise God. That is a wonderful blessing. Don't ever think you've missed out. You know, sometimes in Christian circles, it's almost like if the person who gets up the front and tells this amazing story, how they had no Christian contact, how they were in the streets, they were drunk, they had drug addictions, they were sex addictions, but God transformed them and that's wonderful. And it is wonderful. But that's the best testimony almost, isn't it? Like that's held up as the highest thing. Whereas in the Bible, it's not saying that's not, but this is just as great. God's grace is working through families as much as he's taking people off the street. And so if you're in that family, praise God for it. But if you haven't had that family and you're the start of it, well, here's a great encouragement to continue it, isn't it? Or if you are in that line, make, encourage you to continue that line, that this becomes a generational thing for your family. I want to encourage you to think about how that can be the case for your family. How can you be someone that encourages the faith Trust in Jesus for those that are in your family if and when you have one. Because it's a wonderful blessing. Uh, just the other day at Beach Mission, uh, as I was doing the talk there, Hannah, my daughter, got up and prayed. And she prayed for me as I was about to give the talk. I thought I probably should just sit down then. That just warms the heart. Absolutely. And I want to thank God for that. Because you see, Lois and Eunice, it wasn't that somehow Timothy had their faith given to, their, to him, but it was passed on. It was something that they encouraged him in. You see, Timothy's faith isn't because of their faith. Timothy's faith is his faith in Jesus. All right, it's his. But Lois and Eunice were part of God's plan for him to own that for himself. 
So if you've got family who don't know Jesus yet and they've grown up in your family, it's not the end of the story. Pray for them, that this will be their faith as well. So family can fuel our faith, family can fuel our life in Jesus, friendship can fuel it, and sincere faith as we live it out can fuel it. But we need something more than that, don't we? It's not just us. There's got to be something greater than us that actually empowers us to do that. And that's the last one, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 7. It says, For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, gives us power, love, and self discipline. You see, in and of ourselves, we are unable to live a life that's not two-faced. In and of ourselves, we are unable to live a life that encourages Christian friendship and encourages people to Jesus. You see, in and of ourselves, we cannot be people who are in families that pass on the faith, that help our kids know that faith. In and of ourselves, we can't do that. We can only do that because of the power of the Holy Spirit that works within us. You see, in and of ourselves, we'll muck it up. In and of ourselves, we don't do it right. In and of ourselves, we're not a good power source. If you live in heaven's head, you know our power can go off like that, can't it? The moment thunder hits, bang, the lights go out. The power source for electricity in Evans Head is not great. Uh, but that's like us, isn't it? Our power source in and of ourselves cannot do this. We need another power source and that power source is an unending power source called the Holy Spirit. And you see, when you believe and trust in Jesus, you have the Spirit within you. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a power source that you plug into out here. It's actually a person that indwells you and lives in you. And so you don't need to call the Spirit down on you or any time. And not the Spirit doesn't come into the house when we pray and we sing songs in a particular way because the Spirit doesn't work that way. The Spirit works from inside us to transform us, to enable us to live the life that God wants us to live, which is a life that is lived like Jesus. You see, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's to transform us from the inside out to have sincere faith, to live a Christian friendship, to have a family that lives for Jesus and for God, to live, to love others around us like Jesus did. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is he comes up and he indwells us and he overflows out of us. It's not the other way around. It's not like we somehow tap into him. He's in us. That is wonderful news, you know. If you trust and believe in Jesus, he is there. He is the seal that you are his. And he's the power to transform you to become more like Jesus. How good is that? That's the power of God by his spirit. Ah, this is a, a great quote, isn't it? Power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You see, power that is not tethered to love destroys. But power tethered to love in Jesus through his spirit that lives within us builds up 
transforms, changes, impacts, is powerful. That is the spirit that you have in you if you trust and believe in Jesus. That is wonderful news, guys. That means that when we go out and live and when we're out there trying to be part of the community, living in our families, wherever we are, that we actually have the power of God's spirit within us to give us the power of love, self-discipline, to be transformed, to truly live that out. But so often we try to take control ourselves, don't we? So often we think, well, I can do that and I'll do it in my own power and my own strength. It's not going to happen. But when we give completely over to the Spirit within us and he takes over and overflows out of us, then we will be transformed and we will have self-discipline. That is a scary word, isn't it? Self-discipline. I reckon that is one of our biggest downfalls, isn't it? Self-discipline. You know, that's where we make the decisions the way that God wants us to do it, not the way that we want to do it. When we make those decisions, it's self-discipline, isn't it? That's when it goes chaotic, when we don't have self-discipline. When we don't have self-discipline, then things go into chaos, don't they? When we don't get up in the morning at 6.25 and go for that run, we're not fit, are we? When that third plate of dessert comes around and we say yes to it and we're not self-disciplined, well, that stomach's going to grow. That's that moment, is it, where you think, should I have that extra beer? You're on your third or your fourth or your fifth or your sixth or your seventh. That self-discipline that says, and then life goes a bit crazy. That self-discipline that we don't have when we're really attracted to someone other than our wives or our partners, our spouses, and we want to desire them and we go after them and then we have sex with them and then disaster. The lack of self-discipline hits hard, doesn't it, on all of us? Every one of us in some shape or form. That self-discipline that says, well, I need to get up and read the Bible. Because that's where God's going to speak to me. Ah, look, Facebook. Bible, Facebook. Oh, maybe I need to see some photos of someone else's family Christmas. We, oh, look at that rather than at the Bible. Oh, there's going to be a good post that's going to come up. There's going to be a blog on there. Maybe I need to know about that. Or oh, my Twitter account. I need to follow that family. They've got to be better than the Bible, don't they? I know the Bible should be here, but look, look, that family. Look what they're doing. That kid is so funny. Self-discipline. Don't get me wrong, Facebook, Twitter and all that sort of stuff, they very, can be very, very helpful and I have an account and I look up stuff but the danger is that when I get into the office in the morning that I click my Facebook account before I spend time in the Bible and it's a battle daily and I don't think I'm addicted to Facebook but maybe I am but I know people are more addicted than me. Actually this morning I got a little thing, my, my screen time is down 16% this month. Woohoo! How good is that? But that's not because I'm reading the Bible more. Wouldn't that be better? But that's that self-discipline, isn't it? And the thing is, by ourselves we won't do that, but by the power of the Spirit we will. That's what this verse is saying. 
It's not just a matter of you saying, well, I need to put in strategies here. No, you need to completely give yourself over to the Spirit and then the power of the Spirit will give you self-discipline to get into the Bible first. Self-discipline not to go after the other woman. It's not self-discipline not to eat, drink that extra beer, not to eat that extra food, to get up in the morning and do exercise because that'll help you and enable you to live for Jesus. See, the wonderful thing about the Bible and the wonderful thing about following Jesus is that it's not rules and regulations anymore not legalistic it's driven by the power of the spirit through the love of jesus as he brings his word and transforms our lives from the inside out strategies can be helpful but in the end if it's not from in here it won't change and that's what we need to have isn't it completely open ourselves up and over to the power of the spirit within us have you done that do you do that regularly do you just slow yourself down and say lord by your spirit overtake me overtake my heart overtake my desires overtake my life lord completely fill me and transform me can i encourage you to do that it's hectic time of year isn't it oh paul i don't have time i've got this party to get to i've got that party to get to i've got a bowls comp over here i've got a golf game to play there man i need to get work at some point in time paul i don't have time to do that garbage you do Oh, I do. Can I encourage you to take this verse to heart? God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And that will enable us to step out in sincere faith. That will enable us to love our friends well. That will enable us to be families that are around Jesus and encouraging our families to love Jesus. What would be your last words to someone that you loved? What would you like to say to them? Well, can I encourage you to keep reading through 2 Timothy because this is only the first seven verses. How good's that? There's so much more to happen, so much more to come, so much more we want to encourage you with, so much more he wants to send you out with, so much more I want to send you out with. So let's take time this week. Let's take time to sit, to ponder, to read, to open ourselves to the power of the Spirit transform us and change us to be more like Jesus in every way let's pray Heavenly Father we uh, we thank you for your word we thank you for Paul we thank you for Timothy we thank you Lord that we have this very personal and intimate letter of Paul to Timothy in our hands that Lord this is your word to Timothy and this is your word to us Father, we pray that we don't take that for granted, Lord. 
that Lord we'll sit back and take time to let it soak into our soul that we'll let your spirit to apply it to our lives Lord and the power of your spirit will infuse us and transform us and overflow out of us Lord so that we go and live for you in every part of our lives Lord Lord, change us and transform us, Lord, we ask. In the name of Jesus, in the power of your spirit, Lord, we pray these things. Amen.